Say one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. You're listening to Song and Story, conversations with songwriters about their songs. You can support this project on Patreon, and you can listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at songandstorypodcast.com. Okay, three things. I've got three quick things for you before we get into this episode. Thing number one. I have a brand new album out. It released digitally on October 15th, and it's called Ohio. Now, I'm calling it Ohio to keep it simple. But the full official title, maybe for legal purposes, is Ohio, a tribute to Springsteen. As the title suggests, this is a covers album. My arrangements and reimaginings of some of my favorite Springsteen songs. I would be honored if you'd give it a listen. You can do so on iTunes, Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, etc. And if you want more of the story behind the album, check out the latest bonus episode of this podcast. Ohio. Buy it, stream it, share it, dig it, done. Thing number two. How do songs get chosen for this podcast? The short answer is, I choose them. When I reach out to an artist to invite them onto the show, that invitation usually comes with a request to feature and discuss a specific song. This is because I know that the conversation will be way more interesting for everyone involved if I, the one asking questions, am genuinely interested in the song being discussed. So, thing number three. Who chose the song for this episode? Marie Miller chose it. Hey everyone, this is Marie Miller. If you don't know who Marie Miller is, go back and listen to the previous episode. Marie is a talented and accomplished singer-songwriter and performer, despite admitting on record. I like totally don't know anything about Bruce Springsteen. What? Wait, why did Marie Miller choose the song for this episode? Because this episode is flipped. I am the guest, Marie is the host, and the song is always chosen by the host. So, which of my songs did Marie want to talk about? The song she chose is from an EP I released in 2015. The EP is called Us. The song is Down by the Sycamore Tree. Meet me down by the sycamore tree Was the last thing she said to me So that's where I go at night When I can't sleep I lie in the grass and look up at the sky As the branches glow In the soft moonlight In a perfect world She'd be lying Next to me But no one ever said This was a perfect world 
And who would ever claim such a thing? Certainly not. We'd walk to the tree at the foot of our hill. She'd lie in my arms, silent and still. She was it. If ever I did something right, we dream of a world a little more assured. Where they'd find a cause, where they'd find a cure, where there'd be less uncertainty in the night. But no one ever said this was a perfect world, and who would ever claim such a thing? Certainly not. Me. All things in time will pass away. That's the nature of. The gift I'd say it's the love we leave behind that never dies. Meet me down by the sycamore tree. I still hear her voice when I can't sleep. Oh, how I miss her! Lying right here at my side, but despite all the hurt, this is a beautiful world, and who would ever disagree? Certainly not. I want to talk to you about this incredible song. Uh, maybe it's interesting to you that I picked this song. It is. Okay. And a lot of your songs, so you're a very witty writer, and you have sort of a light and I don't want to say fun because that makes it sound small. It's, it's fun, but it's also like smart way of saying things. And But you like generally seems to me put a lightness to it. The first song I ever heard was Annie of the Sea that you wrote for my friend. Uh. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, and that, that's, that's a song. I mean, it's incredible, but it's, it's, there's like a lightness to it. It's dumb. It's a dumb, like I wrote it in, in like nine minutes. It's, it's just a dumb song. It's catchy. It's it is. Really catchy. Yeah. 
It was, but it's supposed to be dumb. It 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 knows exactly what it is. So. That's good. It's a it's a self aware song. That's good. Right. Uh, yeah. So I'm going through listening, trying to figure out a song, and at first I thought I was going to do. Is it Forever Valentine? A permanent Valentine. Permanent Valentine. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking, okay, maybe I want to do that. I want to do something from the EP, which actually I know a lot less about than the Spark. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it was funny because. It, it was a little bit of work, so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you really go through because I like knew this part, but I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm really gonna learn these these songs from us, your incredible EP. And so I'm kind of listening and really thinking it's gonna be permanent Valentine. Uh, and then I was like, when as soon as I kind of started listening to the lyrics of Down by the Sycamore Tree, I was like, I want this song and I want to talk about it so I guess you don't have to answer this question but if you can if it makes sense oh I know I uh, this is my show and I don't have to answer any questions that you ask <laughs> me because I know before we started I told you that you were in charge of this interview but I, I'm still in charge okay you're ultimately in charge I'm right we're pretending I'm in charge so that you are actually in charge so uh, thank you for putting in the work Ask me whatever question you want to, and if I feel like it, I'll answer it. <laughs> um, my question for you, if you can, because some songs are just, we don't want to share exactly what it's about. And so we find ways of expressing ourselves about, you know, telling you about the song without saying exactly what the song's about. So I want to give you the option to choose to just honestly say, like, this this song is really sad to me. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's lyrics that kind of imply that... Um, some really really hard things so i'm just wondering could you tell us what the song is is about or do you want to just talk about the themes in the song up to you so it's kind of loaded okay but it's not necessarily like it's it's written in the first person but it's not personal Mm. does that make sense yeah so i guess i i kind of am inclined to put it in the context of the rest of the ep all right, yeah. which is if you listen to the first song is the man who refused to dance mm-hmm. and it's quirky right so that song also written in the first person sounds personal but it's not me um, that song was kind of one of my first attempts at a narrative song in terms of like a, you know you write you create characters and you give them a world and you give them things to do and you and you see how they interact right and it's that's really fun for me because there's always a, a piece of yourself in that and in that song it's the fact that i'm not super keen on dancing right mm-hmm. <laughs> um but that ep was kind of meant to tell the story of a relationship from the initial meeting uh until death wow now I didn't write all these songs as though they were related to each other. It was just like I had the opportunity to record an EP. It was fully funded, no strings attached, and uh, two of the songs could be more produced and then the rest would be more stripped back, which is, that's kind of how I like to do it anyway. You know, like there's always some that are, you leave more bare than others. And um, about a month before I went down to Nashville to record this, I wrote um, two songs about death, mm-hmm. which it's not a it's not an uncommon theme for me. 
I mean, that's, you know, memento mori, remember your death. You and I are both, both grew up Catholic. That's Ash Wednesday. This man, you are dust into dust you shall return. Like thinking about your death is a constant thing. It's always there, right? But I know that at the time within our extended uh, kind of friend community, there were a couple of really tragic um, deaths that had occurred around that time. And I, I wasn't necessarily consciously thinking of them when I wrote these songs, but it was just like, for how present death and mortality is on my mind in general, you know, we were, were constantly seeing and reading updates and images of them. And as painful and as sad as they were, there were, there were still these moments of just incredible, like profound joy and beauty that were happening in the midst of these moments. So when I say that it's not personal, that's what I mean. It's like, it's not really me singing it. It's not about anybody that I know personally, but there is that personal element into it. Like, I I think that might be where the idea came from, right? Is this idea of losing a spouse because that had just, had just happened in our extended kind of friend community to several people that we knew. Um, now, like I, I'm saying, obviously saying all this in retrospect, like I didn't necessarily connect what was happening uh, in our life at the time to why I was writing these songs now. Have I remotely answered your question? You completely answered my question. I absolutely, okay. I love that answer so much. Um, <laughs> no, it's amazing. I, I, because when I started listening to this song, um, you know, I'm just going to read off a little bit of the lyrics. It starts out, meet me down by the sycamore tree was the last thing she said to me. So that's where I go at night when I can't sleep. I lie in the grass and look up at the sky as the branches glow in the soft moonlight. In a perfect world, she'd be lying next to me. I, you know, I mean, that kind of, you know, yeah, you're the listeners like, oh my goodness, this man lost his love, like, or his daughter or his mother or like, what, you know, whatever, someone very close. And it, uh, it's just so sad. It's so, but it's incredible because you said something that I've been trying to figure out my whole life in this song. So basically, we've had some, yeah, some pretty um, hard things happen in our um, community this year, actually. Um, what you said in the song basically answered or echoed a question or something that I've been trying to figure out my whole life. And so that was amazing to me last night as I was kind of like listening to it like four or five times, kind of deciding that I want it to be this one. And the line, so basically after every chorus, you say, but no one ever said this was a perfect world and who would ever claim such a thing. And the last line is certainly, you take a moment, you say, not me. And you do that every time. And then the last one is, but despite all the hurt, this is a beautiful world. And who could ever disagree? Certainly not me. So you say, uh, and despite everything, despite losing a spouse in this song is about that, you say that the world is, it's a beautiful world. And I think growing up, we're trying to figure out if life is terrible or life is amazing as in you know, as teenagers, it's always either one or the other. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. And as you grow older, 
and hopefully wiser, you you start to see, um, you know, you've seen patterns of pain and patterns of joy, seasons. Like, you know, we, we just, um, a little girl just passed away in our community uh, from a terrible accident. <sighs> and yeah, and it was <sighs> just, I'm tr- and I was trying to think about how, how are those parents, you know, dealing and, and um, my dad had cancer this year and we went through treatment and he's doing great. But the same day that we found out that he, cause it was, could have been really, really bad after, when the scans came back, we found out that he uh, was not going to die most likely. And at this, in the same hour, my friend who's the exact same age as me, her dad passed away from cancer and talking to her like several months after her dad's death, I'm realizing that this life is not terrible or perfect and always joyful. Um, this life is the constant juggling of pain and joy, of rejoicing and of mourning, right. of um, the quiet joys too and the quiet struggles and the big ones. And basically this person in this song has just gone through probably the hardest thing you'll ever go through. and still sees the beauty how did he do that how do yeah how did you get there like in the song i know that you're saying this as personal but it seems like there's you are pointing to something when you sure okay so let me start from the beginning and say this is the context for the beginning of this song okay which this is completely preposterous all right so my wife, um, for years, when, when we, we got married and moved back to Dayton, Ohio, it's where we live now, and she was working night shift at the hospital. So she's worked with kids uh, who have cancer for, uh, I don't know, 11, 10, 10, 11 years she, she, she did this work. So, and for a while we were, we were surviving off one car and I would drop her off at work and then I'd, I'd have to get up you know, around 6.30 or 7 a.m., which is hard sometimes when you don't have kids yet, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, and especially for me, because I'm a, I'm a night owl. Like, it does not matter how tired I am during the day. When 10 p.m. rolls around, that's when the creative part of my brain is like, dude, you got to start making something, man. You haven't done anything all day. You got to start making something. <laughs> and, then, and then I'll be up all night. If I get an idea, I, I, I don't want to go to bed. So this was a constant struggle when I, I have to pick her up from work in the morning is some nights I've just gone to bed at three or four in the morning because I was working on a song or a video or something. So anyway, I, I, I had gone to bed late. I wake up, uh, drive to the hospital and I would always wait in this little, um, it was like a roundabout that where you drop people off near the emergency entrance uh, of the hospital. I would always pull up there and wait for it. And she would text me, you know, because sometimes nurses get caught up and they don't exactly get off. They got to finish what they're doing. They don't really get off when they thought they were going to. So she'd say, okay, I should be ready to go right at 7.30, right? So I'd get there at 7.20. Well, some mornings in between texting me what time she should be done and when she's supposed to be done, something happens. And I would sit outside for an hour in the circle, just with the car running, waiting for her. And I was so tired this morning that, and it was freezing cold outside, 
that I had the heat blasting in the car. I had completely reclined my seat and I was falling in and out of sleep, right? Mm -hmm. Waiting for her outside the hospital. I woke up, I, I have no idea how long or how deeply I was asleep. I woke up, picked up my phone, opened the little memo recorder, and I sang this. Meet me down by the sycamore tree Was the last thing she said to me So that's where I go at night when I can't sleep So I sang this line, meet me down by the sycamore tree Was the last thing she said to me, so that's where I go at night when I can't sleep I sang that and I thought, I really like that I have to do something with that. Wow. And th that was it. And then I just kind of sat there and kind of kept singing it over and over again and waited for her. And I, I, that's why I say that it was preposterous. Like, there, I, I don't understand where it came from. Um, it was just there. Like, all of a sudden, I had a line that is an amazing foundation for a story with a melody that was felt like the perfect melody to accompany it. And I just kind of sat with it. And this is one of the rare songs that I actually saved in a word document, all of the previous versions of it that, that existed because, and this is a separate thing. Like, tell me if you've experienced this. I remember, uh, which Harry Potter book was it? Spoiler alert, um, when Sirius Black dies. Was it the fifth one? Did you, did you read them? I did, and I'm trying to think. I think it is the fifth one. It's the fifth one, right? Like, he, he just kind of, he just kind of, like, falls behind the veil. Yeah. Right? And that's it. He's dead. So, I remember reading, or maybe I heard it on the radio. It might have been NPR. They were talking about how J.K. Rowling said that when Sirius Black died, when she wrote that, she wept. Mm -hmm. And that was amazing to me. I was like, she has control over whether he lives or dies. She created him. But it was almost like the story demanded that this needed to happen. That it was, that it was inevitable for the sake of the characters, for the sake of the arc, for the sake of the mission. And she's responsible for all of it. Mm -hmm. And when one of her own creations dies and it's totally in her control, she weeps about it. And that has always been such an amazing reality to me, reality to me that we can create things and stumble across stories in our own musings and workings that, um, that lead us to mourn. Oh my goodness, I love that. I love that. And you're right. And, and I think too, as soon as you um, start creating something, it has its own purpose and being, right? It exists outside of you. And so it does have its own little life. And it makes sense that we look at it and we see it. It's, it seems to me, if you um, are one that believes in a, a, a creator, um, that he does that for us, right? I mean, you're thinking like... Oh, and Jesus wept. Yeah, he creates us, and then you're like, dude, you have control. Like, you really, you know, um, and it must be for the mission, for the story that he allows 
himself to to weep for us. There must be some greater arch, like you said. I love that. That's so cool. Well, this song was made me. Uh, I can't say it made me weep, but I definitely, you know, had like the Indian tear, like the one tear, just like um, because <laughs> it, was just, it was, and it was because I'm like thinking, like, okay, you know, I understand Kevin's music. No, I don't. Um, well, that's really, and then because it there, and also too, what I love, kind of side note, is you are. I mean, is there anything else besides guitar? I don't think so. It's just you. No. I mean, not for this one. And you don't need anything else. Right. I love that. Why did you decide to do that for this song? So, again, this has to do with, like, the context of the rest of the EP. Mm-hmm. Um, so there there are two songs back-to-back that have to do with death. I think I basically wrote them right around the same time. And the first one, which is, is For Those I'll Leave Behind... I wrote that to be a happy song about death. And it was in no way to like mock or belittle anyone's pain. It's it's just that reality of that we constantly search for joy in the midst of pain, right? It's so much easier said than done. So that's a song that I wrote kind of like uh, when I sing it, I'm singing it to myself just as much as I'm singing it to anybody else. Like it plays like a happy drinking song about death like it's it's almost it sounds like this mob of drunken men belting out like i will go i will go i will fight the dark i will go i will go i will fight the dark for all those i'll leave behind for all those i'll leave behind there's a killer violin like saloon like you know violin and piano solo in the middle there's trumpets there's a mandolin uh there's a banjo it's it's just a happy fun song about death and then it's followed by this one which is like the reality mm-hmm. setting in like the inescapable reality of human pain and suffering and I think insofar as as the two songs were different lyrically, the same theme, but uh, just totally different approaches to it. I, I wanted them to be very different musically, you know, almost like it's like a soliloquy, right? Like it's just the guy. I think the la- was the last verse. Meet me down by the sycamore tree. I still hear her voice when I can't sleep. Oh, how I miss her lying right here at my side. Yeah. So, like, it kind of ends in that way, the same way that it began, right? Like, he's hearing this. He's remembering what she would always say. And so I, I kind of just wanted it to to play to sound like a soliloquy. You know, like, the, the guitar itself is, is really just kind of there to aid the... to complement the melody, to kind of aid it. But mm-hmm. it's just the guy who's... He's just he's sad because he's lost somebody and he's just kind of alone just missing her and i felt like that was all that it needed to to sound like i that's the simplest answer is i i didn't it didn't feel like it needed to be inundated with other stuff it didn't need other parts to musical parts to kind of enhance the theme in any way 
Um, I just kind of wanted it to speak for itself. I love that. And I think it really, it, it totally does. And it was funny because I didn't notice that it was only guitar and vocal till later, which I think is, I, I love production. So I, and I love hearing, and I did, I did think about it um, when you're talking about in the, the EP, the other song about death, that was so much more in my mind, like, oh, this is a Kevin Hyder song about death. I get it. I love it. <laughs> cool. Like, you're, you're kind of like just being witty and being funny and making us all kind of think and maybe just be a little less serious all the time. But then all of a sudden, you like, this is why I'm like just blown away and love this song so much because, and wanted to talk about it because I think maybe for your followers, your listeners, they might have even like missed it because it's so simple and sweet, and but it, it's very serious. Um, and then Waltz is at the last song at the end. Who is Teresa? Is that your wife's name? No. So the very first song, The Man Who Refused to Dance, the character in that song, the woman he's singing to, her name is Teresa. And so this little piano piece at the end was just, um, I had originally called it Francesca's Waltz. But because I, even though these songs were all written independently, I was ordering them in such a way that it makes sense kind of as a, a singular story when you listen to it straight through. Um, I just changed the title of it to Teresa's Waltz, and I, I kind of mix it so that you hear the piano like at the beginning of the end of the song almost kind of sounds music box-ish right like it's there's a lot of reverb and it sounds distant and then it clicks and come into comes into focus and again no one would ever get this unless I say it, but like I, uh, I wanted that to be like him remembering that one dance that he gave to her. Well, and I, I didn't hear exactly that, right? But I did hear it. I felt it. I felt like this. I mean, it's just so cool to think about the journey of a love story. You know, the first dance, and then him like remembering her with like a similar piano. Like that is really, really interesting. I love that. Uh, so, okay, so you answered some of the question, but I kind of want to dig a little bit more. And why, how do you personally feel? Like, you wrote this saying, despite the hurt, this is a beautiful world. And who would ever disagree? Certainly not me. I mean, how do you, what's your own philosophy on that? Because you're saying, it, saying that that's true, that this is a beautiful world. Like, just for somebody who doesn't feel like it is to right now is listening, because I definitely go through seasons where I'm like, this isn't, you know, great. And again, my whole thing is I'm learning that life is juggling the joy and the pain. How do you, how do you do that? Like this, I feel like this song is this man, again, having the worst thing happen to him, still saying the world's beautiful. How do you believe that? I know that's like really, we don't have to go into this. That might be too deep of a question. That might be like a, you know, 10,000 page book. And like, <laughs> and I know, I, I mean, you're probably like, wow. But literally I, I said, I was like, how does he know that? I mean, honestly, that's what I thought when I listened to that. I was like, how does he know that? How does he know this beautiful way? I mean, maybe it's too much, but that's, that's what I honestly, that's what I thought when I, 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 I heard that. 
it's coming from a lot of places and you know so as i said with that man who refused to dance song like the only aspect of it that is me in the song is that main theme of that the the main character he doesn't want to dance right he's not that's not his inclination but he likes this girl and wants to ask her out so the same thing in this song it's like nothing that's happening in it is me but this element this aspect of the character is what is coming from me so like that um i mean how could i believe that i i don't know how to answer that and i'm not necessarily confident that i always do believe it but i feel like i need to i feel like i want to i feel like you know life it makes more sense with that belief in mind right that that all things in time pass away like that's the like basically like this this is my attempt to i've entered this place of immense sadness in writing this song and how do we make sense of immense sadness well i think a necessary thing is gratitude right and so that's why i say that that's why i i, I don't know what i originally had I don't think that's in my other lyrics here, but you know, all things in time will pass away. That's the nature of the gift, I'd say. Like I could have just said like that's that's the nature of life, right? That's the nature of existence. Um but I I I don't remember what I originally wrote, but I I went back and I changed it to gift. Because if if you're going to dwell on sadness, it needs to be within the context of gratitude, right? That's, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's the only way to make it make sense. I, so, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I, I, I think of my, my grandfather who, because uh, I've been so blessed, my life has been so easy, that I honestly haven't had to deal with, like, intense grief yet. We all have. Right senseless suffering that's going to happen in our lives and if it hasn't happened that's awesome you know but it most of us and um, my grandfather um, uh, my great-grandparents were killed in the concentration camp and he was sort of like passed around for 15 years you know he was in Israel with his like distant cousins and they didn't really want him and so he's he's been orphaned by you know Nazi Germany and he comes to America and he will be the first person to say, but despite all the hurt, this is a beautiful world. Really? Yeah. I mean, he did. Every time I call him, like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing wonderful. You know, and he just is, you know, he'll cry with joy watching me perform or watching, you know, um, his grandkids have fun. And he just is, like, happy to be there. And so I've seen it. I've seen it. And I, I, I just was wondering... Um, if it was like your own story or if you had seen that and where people that have gone through intense, intense like pain that still sees this world as beautiful. Yeah. I, I mean, on a subconscious level, I would say I can think of a million different, you know, things in my life that would lead me to this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which is being, being raised with Christianity is uh, that's, that's a huge tenet of it is is that there's a point to suffering 
you know, that, that we still need to find a purpose and a joy and gratitude in the midst of it. Um, but there's also, you know, my, my grandfather suffered from Parkinson's disease. And so by the end of his life, he couldn't, he had fallen and uh, broken his hip and he was, his, his muscles were so dysfunctional at this point that it made rehab virtually impossible. So he's in a wheelchair and anytime we went over there, how you doing grandpa? Oh, can't complain. It's like, really? Because I complain about a lot. (laughs) You're telling me you, you have nothing to complain. Like it's, there's something to be said for just like adopting hope, like choosing it, um, clinging to it. Now I, I say all this, like I fail at it. I fail at it daily. Every time I snap at my kids, I've failed it. <laughs> I failed at choosing hope and choosing patience. But that's what is like, uh, to go back to the, the JK Rowling bit, because I think this is kind of related to all this, is um, the idea of creating characters. It's hard to determine what the balance is between how much of their lives you're creating and how much you feel like you're discovering, you know, like which themes you want to explore as you unearth the stories of these fictional characters um, and and how you want to guide the story. You know, it's like a weird balance that other than what I've already said, I have no desire to try to articulate it. But all I had was this first line, like meet me down by the sycamore tree was the last thing she said to me. So that's where I go at night when I can't sleep. Like I wake up in the car, sitting outside the hospital, I sing this into my phone, and then I think, why? Where is she? Like, did she die? Did she just leave him? Is she the one that got away? Did she Did she leave him for another man? Like, I'm sitting there thinking, where did she go? You know, like, is is she on this earth still or not? Like, I didn't know yet, and... I guess at a certain point you kind of make a decision about what's going to happen and then you kind of take the rest of the details in tandem in conjunction with like what themes you want to explore in the midst of that. Does that make sense? Yes. I, oh, it's so cool because I was thinking as you were talking about this is that George MacDonald, who was like C.S. Lewis's like favorite, said that imagination is the organ of meaning. Um, so we, Sorry, the organ of oh, meaning? Of meaning, yes. So okay. we, our imagination often tells deeper truths than what we see. And I feel like you almost stumbled upon like this extreme truth that life is beautiful despite all this terrible suffering, just by imagining this man and these characters. And so you, it's, yeah, I think it sometimes... We can't say that thing that we want to say, like through just like speaking it. And so we create stories. That's what art, you know, artists do a lot of time. Exactly what you did that tells exactly what you wanted to say that you just couldn't communicate with normal words. The like right. story is oftentimes the story is the only way to know something. Um, in this uh, case, this song. So yeah, that's awesome. And I don't want to leave this talking about this song that much, but I did want to comment on uh, my favorite of your episodes, which is the coffee sipping episodes. 
Kevin. So it says Kevin D'Souza uh, from Uptown Boys Choir. Yes, Kevin. The, I think yeah. I think that episode is titled "Someone to Bury Me." <laughs> so funny because I mean, and so I want people. If you haven't listened to it, you should listen to it. But that was kind of one of one of my one of my favorites uh, and just yeah it's it's just really funny and it, it kind of is more of your like fun light sense of humor kind of thing it's less about death um although why are we talking about someone to bury me yeah this what is okay wait a second <laughs> this happened again you do talk about death a lot well but that's that's different like he opens the song with that line yes oh i remember yeah and like he's using the analogy of a breakup, like it's almost like there's a death. There's been a death in the family. Like all these people that you used to talk to, that you became friends with when you were with this other person, you can't talk to them anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you're being buried alive, and that's an amazing analogy. But he tackles it in such a light-hearted and fun way that it's almost like it makes the heaviness of it. Um, it's like the sugar that helps the medicine go down. You know? Right. Totally. Speaking of episodes, do you have a favorite episode that you, you know, interview that you've ever done? So the two that are highlights for me that are definitely related to this um, would be the episode with Maria Price. That it's episode is featuring Maria Price and the title is When Did We Get This Way? Um, and then about nine episodes later... There's another one about grief, and it features a, a folk trio from Indiana. Uh, they go by Sister Sinjin. This, uh, the title of the episode is You Never Said Goodbye. And I think those two are, for me, I think phenomenal episodes, and not because of me, but just because of the different, two very different ways that each of these women wrote these songs about real life experiences with people they were very close to dying um whenever i publish an episode i'll wait a couple days and then i'll pull up stitcher on my phone and and listen back to the episode and um when i listened to that episode um you never said goodbye with sister sinjin i listened to that in the car on a drive with my wife and she was on the verge of tears for most of it like it's just it's an absolutely beautiful song and a beautiful conversation about grief that yeah i don't know you know like but but this this says something i think about our culture like that of everything i've done with the podcast these two episodes stick out to me right the ones that are about grief and of all my i mean just between the spark and the ep you've got like 28 songs that you can choose from to talk about and this one the saddest <laughs> slowest one. So much sense for me, though. And it's and it, right, but it's but that's it resonated with you because you're kind of you're going through it, or you know people that are going through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Colbert on his Late Show, most of his jokes, like it's almost like he spends most of his time making fun of, mocking, calling out the president, right? And I'm not, I'm not judging that i'm not commenting on it at all like that's just what happens right but what happened recently involving stephen colbert that went viral that everybody was talking about it everybody was moved by it it was when he opened up with anderson cooper about grief Mm -hmm. about his dad dying 
It's like there's there's something like it's death is the primordial fact of life. And so at a certain point when I decided that this woman hadn't just left him, you know, that she that she had she had died, at that point it comes down to like, okay, how? What am I gonna say about it? Like how how can I learn something as a person, like as a songwriter, as a person? How can I learn something from exploring what happened to these characters? Yeah, and it's so it's so true that we learn lessons from our own songs, similar to what you're saying with Rowling, uh, you know, grieving over. And it might surprise people that aren't writers. Uh, it's beautiful because actually all humans are creators. I think sometimes people are, don't think they are, and right. and everyone um, should be creating something, even if it's a, like a meal, but making it beautiful. You know, I actually think food like a veggie burger with uh, truffle fries from my favorite place in Nashville. Like that is the best art <laughs> in the world. Um, but uh, so. But we learn things from our own art, which is very interesting. And I think really what this song is. So I'm like so glad. It's funny when I chose it, I didn't know that it was going to have this much more uh, to it. Like I, w- I knew I really <laughs> like what you said, but now I'm like, okay, I'm like ponder this for like a few days. Just stroke my beard. Just kidding, guys. I don't have- <laughs> um, and think about this. So that that's amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Um, and for people listening, I, I completely let you pick the song. Yeah, no, I did. I, I picked it and it was like stuck out to me in a really big way. It was totally, I knew I was like, Oh, that's it. The line, despite all this hurt, this is the beautiful world and who could ever disagree? Certainly not me. Um, I just think that if you can believe that, if we, we as humans can believe that, um, that there that that's when you respond to grief, like you said, in gratitude, and when you respond to pain, and um, with how can I help? I think is something that's important. All these things, the, like yeah, grief, like having gratitude in grief. I you just, I think that's one of like the deepest secrets of life and reality. So I just thought that was cool, and it was something I've been thinking about so much. Well, how how closely you mentioned your friend um, and her dad passing? How recently was that? That was in. May, uh, late May. Okay. Um, and so we've had like um, a lot of death this year. And, you know, having my dad, we weren't sure for about six weeks um, in between tests um, if he, because if it's a type of cancer that was isolated in his tonsil, actually. But if it was not, then it would, then you really, I mean, you're kind of, you have six months or whatever. So there was this period of six weeks where, not, and my dad is not just my dad. He's my best friend. He's my, like, kind of what, you know, my world. And so when we were thinking that, I just remember just going, like, what is what is my life going to look like if he's, you know, and he's 62, you know, and I've been very blessed to have him for 30 years. Like, that, some people do not have that, you know? Um, yeah. So I just was trying to figure out. Uh, that and so there's a lot of new questions that I never, never asked uh, before uh, this season. And then seeing friends my age lose their parents to cancer, four, four of them this year. So, so that's, yeah, 
that's a like how do, how do you how do you feel like when you think about those friends it's hard because they would never say and i had a really serious conversation with the one that her dad died the same minute that you know kind of really the same hour i mean that my we found out my dad it was our uh, friday at three o'clock the hour of mercy in the catholic tradition um and you know, I just told her, I feel so guilty that my dad's alive and your dad's not. And she said, well, do you think I want your dad not to be alive? <laughs> you know, uh, like a very, that's a very strange want, you know. And so I think um, she's dealing with her own grief in her own way. And I just, I'm struggling with guilt to have what I have. But if you think of, like you said, each thing as a gift, knowing it's passing, um, you, you just, then you say, you just have, just to have gratitude and um and really that you don't know what tomorrow is gonna, yeah. gonna bring um and so celebrate, celebrate today because you just don't know and uh that's kind of where i'm at with the whole thing but it's still hard to to think and and you know um you know if you're aware at all of what's going on in the world you know that there's just pain and suffering happening at all times so how do you respond and just try and figure that out Meet me down by the sycamore tree Was the last thing she said to me So that's where I go at night When I can't sleep I lie in the grass and look up at the sky as the branches glow in the soft moonlight in a perfect world she'd be lying next to me but no one ever said this was a perfect world and who would ever claim such a thing Certainly not Me We'd walk to the tree At the foot of our hill She'd lie in my arms Silent and still She was it If ever I did Something right We dream of a world A little more assured Where they'd find a cause Where they'd find a cure Where there'd be Less uncertainty In the night But no one ever said this was a perfect world And who would ever claim such a thing? Certainly not
All things in time will pass away. That's the nature of the gift, I'd say. It's the love we leave behind that never dies. Meet me down by the sycamore tree. I still hear her voice when I can't sleep. Oh, how I miss her lying right here. At my side, but despite all the hurt, this is a beautiful world, and who would ever disagree? Certainly not. I really want to thank you all for listening to this episode of Song and Story. It was a lot of fun for me to get to be on the other side of one of these conversations. And talking with Marie about the craft, the art of songwriting, has been a pleasure. If you haven't yet listened to the previous two episodes, the song that focuses on Marie's latest single, Homeland, and the bonus episode about my brand new album, Ohio, please go check those out. And you can find all of Marie Miller's music and all of my music, Kevin Hyder, on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, etc. Give it a listen. Share links. Tag us on social media. Tell your grandparents about it. For independent musicians, word of mouth goes a long way. Thanks for listening. I like, totally don't know anything about Bruce Springsteen. What? I'm not going to say anything on the thing. I'm like, I don't, I know one song. <laughs> Which one? I know. What's like the first Dan- one? Uh, well, it's you probably know Glory Days or Dancing in the Dark. Dancing in the Dark. Yeah, that's what I'm- ah, that's so funny. Yeah. That's that's it for everybody. Yeah. Um, Marie, thank you for being, thank you for doing this flipped interview. Thank you for being the guest host. It was great. I totally enjoyed it. I like. It's more fun to be the guest or to be the uh, host. Oh, you think? Oh yeah, because I'm so tired of talking about myself. It's so fun yeah. to hear what you have to say. It's great. Yeah. yeah, I I it definitely I had to kind of prepare to kind of transcend it a little bit yeah. because I am that way like sometimes I will ask the guest a question and as I'm asking it I'm thinking I don't know if I would answer this. <laughs> you know, and so sometimes I'll throw in that disclaimer that I might edit out of the of the episode like um hey, you don't have to answer this if you want to, but where did this come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like was this personal? Because if this is personal, I can't imagine this is going to be easy for you to talk about, right? No, and I wasn't sure because, I mean, I, you know, I was like, maybe his mom died. Maybe, like, you know what I mean? Maybe this is a right. miscarriage. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know your whole backstory. But so I really, that was so great. And it was good, too, because I think it will, I think people will be able to connect with it without, even though it wasn't personal, it was like everyone got it. And, and it's going to be, Yeah. And, and it was cool because, and I love, like, there's, like, as I was, like, digging through and listening to it, I was, like, like, there's, like, Sufjan Stevens influences and stuff, like, in the spark, especially to me. I don't know if that's true. And, right. and stuff, and that's usually what I would pick. I think the dark side was one I kind of wanted to do. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a two-hour episode. Baby, will you go with me? He said to a brand new city across the sea. Be careful what you photo.